I shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's word. And my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. We are still talking about the I am. Uh, discovering who Jesus the Christ is. Amen. There's about seven things that Jesus Christ declared himself to be in the book of John. And we discovered uh, that he said, I am the bread of life. We discovered also that Jesus the Christ said, I am the light of the world. We discovered uh, last week and two weeks ago that he said that I am the life. And he also said, I am the good shepherd. Amen. And today we are moving right along. Uh, with discovering Jesus, and this is the fifth saying that Jesus said. So if you may turn your Bibles with me to John chapter number 11, verse 19. John chapter number 11, verse 19. If you have it, you can say, I have it. Discovering who Jesus the Christ is. John chapter number 11, verse 19. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. You remember the story? Lazarus had just died. And many people, uh, in fact, in the Jewish culture, people would literally come and camp at your house for a month. Just helping you mourn. In fact, there are stories that say you could hire people to come and help you, you know, mourn uh, your dead loved ones. Watch what happened. Next verse. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Next verse. Then Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I like this statement. Because Martha realized there was something special about Jesus being present that defeats death. Amen. I know it seems wayward when you just read through it quick. But there was some revelation in this. She's saying, Lord, I know. I know it. That if you had been here, my my brother wouldn't have died. Next verse. But I know that even now. Man, I like Martha. Whatsoever you will ask God, God will give it to you. Amen. (laughs) And Jesus said unto her, Your brother shall rise again. Next verse. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again at the resurrection on the last day. So Martha is talking about the afterlife. And watch what Jesus said immediately. Jesus said unto him, no, no, you don't know what you're talking about. I am the resurrection. In other words, when I show up, Dead things come to life. Notice Jesus didn't say, I have or I possess resurrection power. He said, I am the resurrection power. There's a difference between saying, you know, I have a glass of water and saying, you know what? I am the glass of water. And Jesus is saying, I am the resurrection. You're looking at the power to make dead things come back to life. 
And he said, this is the reason why your brother shall not stay dead. Well, let me tell you, there are certain things in your life that you've been looking at and thinking they're going to stay dead forever. But honey, they can't stay dead forever because the resurrection one lives on the inside of you. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And the first demonstration of this power of God is when you, who were dead in your trespasses, that's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 2. It says you who were dead in your trespasses, has he quickened or has he made come alive? The greatest ever miracle to ever take place in the earth realm was dead people coming back to life. And you know who were the dead? Those who did not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The Bible declares that they are dead in their trespasses. And this resurrection power comes and revives you. Amen? Amen. I said amen. amen. So Jesus demonstrates this in two ways. If we continue reading John chapter number 11 verse 39. As Jesus uh, gets to the place where Lazarus was. Let's go to verse 39. Watch what happened. John 11, verse 39. Then Jesus said, Take away the stone. And, and uh, man, you must understand, uh, Lazarus was wrapped up and put in the tomb. And there was a big boulder put on the tomb to stop the stench from coming out. And as Jesus stood at Lazarus' tomb, he said, The first thing I want you to do is to take away the stone. In other words, work with me. Notice Jesus didn't say, now I'm going to take away the stone. No, he said, I'm going to give you an instruction. Remember, grace always works by faith. Jesus gives the instruction, and as you respond, he gives you further instruction. And as you respond, you begin to tap into the realm of breakthrough. See, a lot of people are standing there saying, man, Jesus, you're the one that wants the stone to be rolled over. Why don't you do it? No, he's giving you an instruction. Just like at the wedding at Cana. He said, man, I want some obedient people. Come and fill up these pots with water. Same thing. Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he had been dead four days. Next verse. Then Jesus said unto her, said I not unto you, that if you would believe, you should see the glory of God. In other words, didn't I tell you that all you have to do is believe for you to see the glory of God? Next verse. Then they acted on it. Notice Jesus didn't go all the way until they were obedient with the first step. Hallelujah. He said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take this first step of faith. And it's the same principle with our lives. God gives you a faith instruction. And as you act on it, you go further and further into the realm of miracles. Man, with your finances, some of you are dealing with dead finances. You have to take the first step. And the first step is to trust Him with your finances. You know, some of you are thinking, man, Lord, give me the breakthrough. Lord, the Lord is saying, man, give me that two fish and the five loaves. He said, man, this is all I got. I can't give it to you. And he said, man, just give it to me. And you're wondering, why won't the Lord go to the next step? Well, the boulder is still on the tomb. 
even if we got Lazarus to come alive, we will never experience him because he's stuck in there. So you need to do the first step. Amen? He says, take away the stone. Uh, They took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Man, that's loaded. Notice Jesus didn't sit on a long all-night prayer meeting. He said, Lord, I thank you that you've already heard me. I thank you that you, 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 you answer all my prayers. That was his position. And remember, we discovered that faith works by love. When you catch the revelation of how much God loves you, when you catch the revelation of how much God wants to answer your prayers, you will pray this prayer. I thank you that you always hear me. And if you keep reading, Jesus said, but I'm just saying this for the sake of these prognosticators. These unbelievers. That's the reason why I'm saying it aloud. And he went on to say, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came forth. Amen? Amen. But I want to show you something. You know, it's amazing to learn that Jesus has this resurrection power on the inside of him. But let us go now to see how we can partake of this resurrection power and demonstrate it in our lives. Amen? I said, Amen. Let's go now to John chapter number 10, verse 17. Jesus has resurrection power. And he demonstrates being the resurrection and the life in all these different scriptures. The first one is John chapter number 10, verse 17. May I read it in the King James Bible? It has attitude in the, King, in, the, in the New King James Bible. It has more attitude. New King James Bible. Man, I want you to see this. This is Jesus talking. And he says, therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one could ever say this. Come on. Come on. Wow. Man, this is gangster. Jesus is saying, you know, I've heard people say, uh, 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 you know, Jesus was murdered. In fact, we used to believe this. In the church that I grew up on uh, Thursday, was it Thursday, Easter Thursday, would all dress in black and go to the sad service to mourn how they murdered the Son of God. No, Jesus didn't say that. Man, it was a sad service. It was called the seven words. We would, man, just, oh, man. Why did they do this to Jesus? We didn't read this scripture. Jesus is saying, man, no one takes my life. They couldn't have killed Jesus even if they wanted to. Now watch what he said right after this. No one takes it from me. But I lay down of myself. So it was Jesus. It was his prerogative to say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He laid it down. And watch what he says. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command have I received from my Father. And what they didn't realize, in fact, the Bible says it like this. It says the the princes of this world didn't realize what Jesus was doing when he was laying down his life. All he wanted was for them to escort him to the place where the keys were. The keys of authority that the enemy took from Adam. 
And when he walked in there, the Bible says the same one who ascended, but before he ascended, not that first, he descended into the uttermost parts of the world. So they escorted him into the place where the keys were. Headquarters of hell. <laughs> Thinking, man, we've finished him, we've killed him. And then Jesus walked in. And he saw Satan sitting there, giving away authority to his little demons. You are the uh, minister of uh, tormenting people in poverty. You are the man. We finished him. And then Jesus walked in and he kicked the table. Amen. You know, like a movie. <laughs> he said, man, I'm here to take away the keys. And if you don't believe it, watch what he did in Colossians chapter number 2 verse 15. In fact, from verse 13, because you love the Bible, you love scripture. Let's read more of it. They took him to the uttermost parts of the world. And the apostle Paul paints this picture in Ephesians 4. Watch what he did in uh, uh, Colossians 2 verse 13. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him. Having forgiven how many? All your trespasses. Next verse. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements or ordinances that were against you, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Now watch what he did when he defeated Satan in the uttermost parts of the world. Having disarmed principalities, he went there and stripped them of all their authority. You know what that means? That means a curse cannot stick on you unless you give it the authority. Because it has been stripped of its power. Amen. It says he disarmed principalities and powers and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Man, he's demonstrating his resurrection power. In fact, the Bible says, when after he finished doing this and root to heaven, he walked Beth on the earth, but because he was so filled with so much resurrection power, dead men of old were seen walking the streets of Jerusalem. They just couldn't help it but come alive. Man, someone shout, dead things will come alive when they come into contact with Jesus. Shout, my finances are coming alive. My body is coming alive. The Bible says the spirit of Christ dwells on the inside of you and it quickens your mortal body. Your body can't help it but keep well. Because Jesus is the resurrection life. And you know after he did all of this, isn't this powerful? This is loaded with power. He defeated death. You know we sing, death could not hold you down. Death couldn't hold him down. Muhammad is dead. Buddha, that brother be dead. But Jesus, he's alive. He defeated death. Amen? And after he did this, watch what he did. Ephesians chapter number 1 verse 18. He is the resurrection and the life. There is no life outside of Jesus. Anyone who is not in Jesus is dead. You ever watch the old movie, Dead Men Walking? We have lots of them. If you don't have Jesus, you are dead. That's what the Bible says. It says you are dead in your trespasses. The only man that can make you come alive is Jesus. Watch what happens in 
verse 18 of uh, Ephesians chapter number 1. This is the apostle Paul praying and he says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding be enli- being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Next verse. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward who? I didn't hear that. He said, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to add us who believe? According. So now he's telling you what this power to us who believe is like. He's saying this power is according to the working power of his mighty power. Next verse. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. He's saying, the Apostle Paul is saying the same power that was exerted when Jesus was raised from the dead is resident on the inside of you. Man, someone shout, I have the resurrection power on the inside of me. If you don't believe it, let's go to Romans chapter number 8 verse 11. Man, he put all of that power on the inside of you. But you're going to have to learn how to use that power. Amen? You're going to have to learn how to plug in your gadgets. Thank you, Jesus. Watch what it says in the uh, 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 New King James Bible, Romans 8, 11. It says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in who? He says, man, the same spirit that was used to raise Jesus from the dead dwells on the inside of you. He says, if that spirit dwells on the inside of you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in who? Man, someone shout, I'm loaded. I'm loaded. Man, he's saying the same power that was used to raise Christ from the dead resides on the inside of you but you need to be aware of it and catch the revelation you know i remember the one time we were making alterations to uh my family home the one that i grew up in and because you know we were messing around with the electricity and breaking down walls and stuff like that the actual company that you know gave people electricity came and shut us down so we could do construction and then when we finished doing the alterations we called them and said hey we need power back. And they did it remotely. And we didn't know it. And we stayed for weeks and weeks upon weeks upon weeks without lights, using candles. And we did not know that we had electricity in the house until my nephew switched on one of the lights by mistake. And then we stumbled upon this great power that was already available in us. And this is the picture with most Christians. If you don't realize that you have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, you will be walking around dead bodies and not know what to do with them. You will be walking around dead situations in your life and not know what to do with them. Some will even pick up the phone to call the pastor. Pastor, please can you go? Hey, the power is already on the inside of you. All you have to do is realize it, plug it and switch it on. Man, can you imagine calling Eskom? Say, Eskom, I bought this LG 56-inch TV, but it won't switch on. Ma'am, is everything else working in your house? 
Yes, it is. But this TV won't switch on. Well, have you plugged it into the socket? Yes, I have. Well, have you switched it on? Oh, okay. All right, I'll call you back. All we have to do is to connect with this power and switch it on by way of revelation. And notice it didn't say, uh, this spirit dwells on the inside of you by feeling. He just says, man, this spirit dwells on the inside of you on a good day. Listen, let's say you wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Will your fan still work when you switch on the power in the, in the socket? Let's say you're having problems with your boss. Will your stove still work? It's the same thing, man. This power is available for you 24-7, whether you like it or you know, whether you feel good or you don't. The resurrection power of God resides on the inside of you. And it's time you start walking around making dead, dead things come alive. And how did Jesus do that? He knew I am the resurrection, but he had to work it into his life. You know how he activated it? By speaking. If you're writing down notes, write this down. You activate the resurrection power or you release this power by speaking. It's interesting that the only species that God ever created that can speak words is us. And coincidentally, we are the only species that God gave authority. And when we speak words, we release the same authority that Jesus released when he called Lazarus back to life. You remember the prophet of old in Ezekiel chapter number 37? He's standing in a valley full of dry bones. You remember the story? Yeah. <laughs> the Bible doesn't say the valley was, you know, half full or half empty. You know, the optimists and the person. No, it says this thing was full. Someone say full. full. You know what that means? It's a situation of total hopelessness and impossibility. It's full of death. And bones speak of death. You know, some of you know this. When you eat your, your, your chicken at Nando's, man, and the way you eat that bone, that thing is dead. Because if it was alive, it would fight back. The way some of you eat the bones. Man, that thing was full of death. Amen? And you know what? He's standing in this situation, and God comes and asks him a question. He says, son of man, can these bones live? Well, God knows this man possesses the resurrection power, the same resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead, except he's an Old Testament prophet. He only gets it on loan. So it comes upon him and it goes back. But with you, he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. It dwells. It has made you a dwelling place. That's the only difference. Say, son of man, can these bones live? And like most of us, he wanted to switch the responsibility back to God. He said, Lord, you know. And the Lord said, no, you speak to the bones. And make them, tell them to come alive. And as he's standing there, he starts prophesying to the bones. He starts prophesying flesh to the bones. He said, and by the end of the prophecy, by the end of him speaking to the bones, he's standing in a valley full of life, full of an army, 
full of soldiers. Why? Because your words is the access that you give to the resurrection life that is already on the inside of you. Your words is the signature. Your words is the authorization. Man, your words have the power to release life, resurrection life, or death. Let's read uh, Proverbs chapter number 18, verse 21. We may as well read it. Proverbs chapter number 18, verse 21. You remember Jesus? After, finishing, uh, after he had finished uh, preaching in uh, Peter's boat, he went outside of the boat and as he was standing there, uh, Peter and his friends had been trying to fish all night. You remember the story? They were putting their nets in there, trying to fish all night and caught nothing. And Jesus came through and he said, Man, uh, I want you to go back in there and lay down your nets, but this time around, you're going to catch something. What's the first question? Man, I want to present this to you. What's the first question you ever ask someone if they tell you, I went fishing? What's the first question? Did, did you what? And watch what Jesus said. The instruction was, don't, uh, uh, the instruction he gave them was not go back into the sea and fish. The instruction was go back into the sea and lay down your nets for a catch. So you're not going fishing anymore. Man, when you're dealing with the master's words, you're not going fishing. It's not trying. It's a, man, you're laying down for a catch. And he released that with his words. And the Bible says when they laid them down, they caught so much fish, their nets were breaking. They had to call on their partners to say, come and help us pull out this load of fish. Amen? Amen. So your words are powerful. And when we're talking about, you know, speaking the words to, re to release the resurrection life of God, I want you to see something else. The Bible says in John 6, 63, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So we're not just talking about any word. I'm not talking about just saying something nice. Okay? The word confession in the Greek is homologio. That comes from two Greek words, homo, which means one, and logio, where we get the logos of the word of God. And he's saying, say the same thing that I'm saying. So when you want to release the resurrection life of God, man, you don't even have to be creative. All you have to do is to regurgitate what he is saying in his word over your situation. Uh, amen. Hallelujah. And this is far beyond just saying something nice. Because he watches over his what? Words. To do what to it? To now when you take his word and put it in your mouth and you authorize it over your life. You know, I've heard people authorize all kinds of stuff. I'm catching a cold. <laughs> Have you ever heard people say that? Yeah. Man, you, you, you're catching it. You're laying down your nets for a catch for real. Yeah. <laughs> Man, your words have power. Watch what he says over here. He says, death and life are in the power of the what? I didn't hear that. Man, I don't know of any extremity that is further than death and life. I don't know of anything that is further than death. Or that is further than life. Either you are dead or you are alive. There is no in between. Amen? And he's saying as extreme as death and life are... All of that power is resident in this thing called the tongue. 
tongue. So whatever you say, you will get. That's the law of confession. It's a law. Just like the law of gravity. You know, with the law of gravity, they can calculate, you know, uh, uh, all kinds of stuff. With the law of lift, that goes above the law of gravity. They can tell you, man, once you catch this speed on the ground, there is no way you can stay on the ground. You're going to lift off. And this law applies to a little Cessna, a little propeller jet. All the way to a plane that weighs the size of your house. To an Airbus A380. Why? Because a law is a law. And it's the same principle over here. The power of death and life is resident in your tongue concerning small things and ginormous things. You know, some of you are thinking, man, my finances are so bad that I can't speak life into them. Well, Lazarus was dead. The valley was full of dead, hopeless things. And the prophet released a word and changed that situation. Someone shout, I'll never be broke another day in my life. You know, for some of you, you can't even picture it because it's too big. Well, use your tongue for something big, praise God. Oh, my single ladies, can I get on my single ladies? Just lift up. Someone say, I'm praying for a tall, dark, and whatever you want to put in there. And rich. Amen. Why would you pray for a broke? Okay, all right, moving right along. He says, and those who love it will eat its fruit. If you're writing down notes, I want you to write this down. I want you to write, confession precedes possession. Go to Romans chapter number 10, verse 10. Is this good? Man, with your mouth you can release this resurrection life. That Jesus put on the inside of you. Romans chapter number 10, verse 10. Watch what it says. It says, for with the heart and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Man, the greatest miracle to ever take place in your life happened because there was a heart and mouth connection. Because you spoke what you believed. Hunt your neighbor and ask them, are you speaking what you believe? Ask them, and if not, you're going to have to start changing what you believe so you can speak it. Tell them you're going to have to start believing that God wants you to prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. You're going to have to start believing at a heart level that God finds pleasure in your prosperity. The Bible says, it says out of the abundance of the heart, what happens? The mouth speaks. In other words, whatever software you put in your heart will connect with your mouth. I think it was Joyce Meyer. She said something profound. She said, put the word of God in your heart when you don't need it, and your heart will put it in your mouth when you need it. Some of you are trying to put that healing thing uh, in your heart when it's too late. You're going to have to start putting it now when you're healthy. 
so that when the pressure hits, you release it because it's already on the inside of you. There, there's some juice. There's some faith juice on the inside. If you squeeze a lemon, what comes out? Lemon juice. If you squeeze an orange, orange juice. If you squeeze a believer, all the faith juice should come out. That speak of prosperity. That speak of healing. That speak of victory. Because that's what we see in the word of God. But you're going to have to put it in your heart right now. So that when the day comes, you're ready. Second Corinthians 4.13. Is this good? Man, your words are powerful. I know my wife gets fanatical about this. Every time I say some kind of crazy thing, some stupid stuff, and every now and again, man, I say some stupid stuff. And she says, man, I'm believing, I'm touching and agreeing with you for it to come to pass. And I say, oh, no, 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 I didn't mean that. (laughs) And I'm like, man, I don't know where I'm going to get money. To put fuel in the car. She says, I'm touching and agreeing with you for that to come to pass. I said, no, no, no. I was just kidding. I know God will supply all my needs. But you have to get fanatical about what you authorize. You know why? Because your words are your signature. And they have a thing in the, the lawyers here can help me. They have a thing called the non-subscriptor rule. It's a, it's a thing that says, let the signer be aware. And they say, the lawyers will tell you, even if the signer is not aware, if you sign, you've signed. It's the same thing. Even if you don't know the power of your words, if you say it, you've said it. It's the non-subscriptor rule. Once you say it, it's coming to pass. Watch what it says in 2 Corinthians 4.13. It says, and since we have the same spirit of faith, Someone shout, I have the spirit of faith. faith. Think of anyone who had this spirit of faith. Think of Abraham. Think of Ezekiel. Think of Jesus. He said, since we also have the same spirit of faith, we can use the same formula. He says, since we also have the spirit of faith, watch what he says here. He says, according as it is written, I believed and therefore I have I spoken. We also do what? Believe and therefore we what? Let the redeemed of the Lord do what? Say Say something. He says if your finances are redeemed, say something. If your health and your your divine healing is your... Say something. If you have been redeemed, release it. Give it authority over your life. Do you see it? Man, we're going to have to start using words to our advantage. And not to our disadvantage. Because many people are using words to their disadvantage. Man, you need to start using words to your advantage. Speak over your marriage. Speak over your job. Speak over your boss. And a lot of people are speaking death over their boss. Oh man, this good for nothing. This, this, sorry. This, this sorry boss of mine, this good. And then he becomes a sorry boss of yours, a good for nothing. You're like, where did this sorry boss come from? Man, you gave it authority. Uh, Do you see it? Man, when you wake up in the morning, you need to say, man, today is going to be a good day. You need to get excited about the day. You need to speak life into that day. Man, you're confronted with, a, with an assignment that you think is beyond you. You need to start releasing the wisdom of God over your life. I have the wisdom of God that can solve all solutions. Also all problems. I possess all solutions. Man, as you release that, you will start winning. 
But if you pick up the phone and release something else, I don't even know why I'm on this job. I'm a, man, you are releasing. You are releasing something. And you are stifling the resurrection life, the spirit of God that lives on the inside of you. So your words matter. Amen? Let us go to Genesis chapter number 1 verse 1. Genesis chapter number 1 verse 1. This is God creating. And watch what happened. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Next verse. The earth was without form. Someone say without form. Without. You know what that means? That means no shape. And some of you, this is a description of your life. It has no form. It has no structure. It has, your finances are without form. Amen? Amen. It says it was void. It says without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, someone say the Spirit of God. He says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. I want you to see something here. The resurrection life was already present. But there was still chaos. Do you see? Some of you think, man, pastor, when I get the spirit of God, you automatically fix all my problems. No, he needs you to give him authority to do it. The spirit of God was present, but, but the earth was still void. And it still had no form. There was chaos. Water was where land should be, and land was where water should be. You know, your finances for, for, for vacation were being used for uh, medical aid bills. And your, man, there was no form in that money. There was no form in that relationship. He should be your friend, but now he's your boyfriend with benefit. Oh, man. <laughs> this thing is now messed up. Uh, uh. Amen. Amen. This, is, this thing was a mess. Are you a child of God? Yes. Are you filled with the Spirit? Yes. The Spirit is there, but he has not been given the authority to start doing his work. And how did God give him the authority? Next verse. Then God. Do you see it? Then God. All God needed to do was to sign on the dotted line. And how did he do that? By releasing a word. And God said, let there be light. And what happened? Someone shout, let there be order in my life. He says there was light. Let there be light and there was light. Next verse. And God saw. So there is no possession, there is no seeing without speaking. Let there be and you will see. Do you see it? Let there be light, and the light was, and he saw that the light, he saw the light, and that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. This is God's uh, MO, modus operandi in creation, and he has translated, transferred the MO to you. You can create the life that you want by the words that you speak. In fact, most of the things that you see in your life is the words that you speak. Most of you guys, you know, I'll never amount to anything. You know, you see that. You, you, you possess that. Some of you have faith and belief and you release that. You will see that. Amen? Amen. 
And this is God's MO with everything. Let's see one more. Next verse. Next verse. Then God. I didn't hear that. Verse 6. Then God. Man, God is creating this thing through talking. Can you see it? And then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the, water, the, the waters from the waters. Next verse. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament and it was so. Did you see it? And it was so. After God said it. Everything God spoke became. And when God got to creating man, if you go to verse 26, I want you to see something. Verse 26. This is not in my notes, but you may as well read it. Verse 26 of Genesis chapter number 1. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. If you're reading in the King James Bible, it says, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. I want you to see something here. He says, let us make man first in our image, and second, according to our likeness. Image speaks of the nature of God. God is a spirit, and so are you. Likeness speaks of functionality. God is a speaking spirit, and so are you. You function like God. God never meant for you to speak things that you didn't expect to see manifest in your life. Everything you speak, He gave you the power and the authority to expect it. Man, this is good stuff. Let's close now. James chapter number 3. From verse 1 to 5 in the NIV. James Chapter number 3, from verse 1 to 5. Come on, look up. I want you to see this. Not many of you should become teachers. My fellow believers, now if you need to understand something about James. James is the only pastor that wrote a letter to his church. And the church that James pastored was in Jerusalem. We were talking about it with Pastor Tate the one time. And I was saying to him, you know, it was in the hub. It was, in the, uh, uh, it was the biggest church. It was the most uh, pivotal church to the spreading of the gospel and the foundational church. And at James, the church that James pastored, it was possible on one weekend to see the apostle Paul, Peter, James, uh, uh, no, not James, Andrew, and all those guys sitting, listening, taking down notes. In fact, when Peter and, ja- and, and uh, Paul had a disagreement, it was James who stood up and gave the final verdict. He was like the pastor of pastors and the people. He's like the legend. He's like the bishop. So if you want to be a good pastor, listen to this guy. And watch what he says. He says, not many of you should become teachers. He's talking to Paul, Peter, and them. Can you imagine? And he's giving them a strict warning. saying, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more. You know why? Because whatever you say is going to help shape someone's life. And if you say all kinds of stuff, you are destroying people. Next verse. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault. How many of you would love to be at that place where you are never at fault? He he prescribes it. He says, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is... 
He's saying, man, if you can manage your mouth. And he says, if, you, if you're careful about what comes out of your mouth, you're never, you never going to be at fault and you will become perfect. That word perfect does not mean flawless, it means mature. If you want to be a mature believer, you have to be a believer who knows how to control what comes out of their mouth. You know why? Because what comes out of your mouth is a representation of who you are. You are your word. Hunt your neighbor and tell them, you and your word is, is one. <laughs> tell them, if your word is good, then you are good. Tell them, if your word is bad, then you are bad. Because you and your word are one. Amen. He says, uh, anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect and able to keep their whole body in check. Did you see it? This man, you can keep your whole body. In fact, what he means in the Greek is you can keep your entire livelihood in check if you know how to control what comes out of your mouth. Some of you need to just learn how to say thank you. It's part of it. Some of you just need to learn how to treat uh, waiters and waitresses. Okay, all right, moving right along. He says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. So he's talking about if you want to control a horse. How many of you have ever gone horse riding? You know the, the beats they put in their mouth? Man, you can turn the whole horse by turning the tongue. When you turn the horse's tongue to the left, the whole body can't help but go to the left. And he's saying, man, when you can control your words, if you can turn your words in the direction of divine healing and health, your body can't help it but be kept in check. Do you see it? Next verse. Oh, take sheep as an example. So he was dealing with an animal. Now he's going to a ship. I've never been on a ship, but people that have been have told me it's like a city. So he's saying, take a city, take a ship as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds or have strong opposition. How many of you have opposition in your life? He's saying, even though you have strong opposition. And you are dealing with huge things, huge problems. Watch what he says. They are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants it to go. And he's saying two things here. You are the pilot of your life. And you can turn your life in whichever direction you want it to go. Whether you're dealing with small issues or big issues. Next verse. He goes deep. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boss. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Thank you, Jesus. Man, you can release this resurrection life. In your life. And in your finances. By speaking what God has said over your life. Someone shout, I possess divine health. Because His Spirit, who dwells on the inside of me, 
quickens my mortal body. Someone shout, my finances are doing well. I am prospering financially like never before. Someone shout, I will never be broke another day in my life. But I will have resources so that I may partner with the gospel. So that I may give to every good cause. In Jesus name. Someone shout, I have victory in my job, in my business, in my marriage. All I do is win all the time. That's why the Apostle David would say all these kind of things. He would make confessions going into battle. He would say things like, I can run through a troop and scale over walls. He would encourage himself in the Lord by taking the scriptures and start reacing them, them back to himself. And as he did that, his life could not help it but be steered in that direction. And I'm telling you, I am telling you, this resurrection life is on the inside of you. It's time we start plugging in and start agreeing with it and authorize it with the words of our mouth. Just like Jesus authorized it to raise Lazarus from the dead. Man, I'm telling you, as you go home, start looking for dead things and lay your hands on them and tell them to come alive. Because it's on the inside of you. Man, my wife is so fanatical with this. We bought a lemon tree that we put outside. And that thing was struggling, man. Boy, man, they tried watering it. They, I put fertilizer. That thing was struggling. That thing was going to die. And she started laying hands on that thing and speaking to it. I said, where did you get that? She said, there was a doctor uh, 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 called Yamamoto from Japan who did an experiment. Two, two bottles of water. Filled one uh, and wrote on one good words. Life, health prosperity awesome happy and and he put it in the freezer and wrote on the other one ugly things stress disease sickness cancer and so on and so put it in the freezer and when he took them out the one that he had spoken life over was symmetrical when it freezed or when it froze the one that he had spoken ugly stuff man there was no shape it was still chaotic even nature responds to your words even your body will respond to your words you know why because your body is about 70 to 80 percent water now you want to change the feeling in your body start tapping into this power of releasing the resurrection life with the right words amen well we love you god bless you we are way above time remember these words from second corinthians 5 verse 7 for we Walk by faith and not by sight. We love you. God bless you. Have an awesome day.